Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I'm an editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. Broadcasting from the seat across from me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. You gave them all, those old-time stars, through wars of worlds invaded by Mars. You made them laugh. You made them cry. You made us feel like we could fly. Just remember, video killed the radio star. That's true. But for now, we are still going to talk about... Radio. Yeah, and you guys might remember, uh, not that long ago, we did a podcast about who invented the radio, and uh, we came up with a conclusion of, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> although, actually, Chris and I both agreed that if, if gun were held to our heads, we would uh, we would claim that uh, Tesla was the, the inventor of the radio. It's just that he did not, uh, he was not able to implement it in the uh, same sort of scale as Marconi, whose uh, implementation depended somewhat on Tesla's work. But yeah, but it, it had gone on for some time. There yeah. were a number of people, as and, and this happens a lot in science, yeah. that uh, you know their contributions made radio possible. They yes. were, it was sort of invented in increments, really. Um, and of course, Tesla was a very, uh, prolific inventor. He had his fingers in lots of different pies. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to watch Jonathan's eyes glaze everyone yeah, I mentioned pie. And um I'm having a little moment here. And Marconi was uh was really a radio guy. He he really was interested in radio, so it's it's really kind of no surprise that he really pushed radio very hard, harder than Tesla did. And yeah. so he, he got a lot of the credit for it. But um, we were going to talk today about the invention itself. Yeah, how radio itself actually works. And to really talk about this, first we have to understand a little bit about uh, radio frequencies, radio waves. Yes. And uh, so let's talk about radio waves first. Now, uh, <laughs> waves are – this is a complicated issue because – there are different types of waves, right? Yes. There's, there are mechanical waves, which are the waves that we can observe with our own eyes through various means. Like there's, you know, if you look at an ocean and you see the waves coming across, those are mechanical waves. Gnarly, dude. Yes, they are in fact gnarly. During an earthquake, the earth moves in mechanical waves. Yes. Mm-hmm. And sound travels through mechanical waves. What? Yeah. Now, you, you may not think of sound as a mechanical wave because it's not something that you can typically see, although if there is a sound loud enough, it can create a mechanical wave powerful enough to vibrate uh, an object so you can see that, right? Well, you could see um, if you've ever watched uh, videos of explosions, mm-hmm. um, especially one, a video shot from overhead, you can see the shock wave yeah, traveling you, outward from that, which is... If you watch any Michael Bay movie, amazing. the <laughs> moment where the two two heroes running away from the explosion leap into air and are propelled 50 feet, that is kind of what Chris is talking about. Okay, that was an even better description than the one I had. Uh, so. Michael Bay solves point, all problems. Point to Jonathan. Yeah, um... Anyway, so yeah, so these waves they move they move in uh, uh there's a crest and then there's a trough, the right? Crest, the crest being the highest point and the trough being the, the lowest. lowest point. And you consider the point from the top of one crest to the top of the next crest the wavelength of that wave. Right. All right, so these these mechanical waves, they have to have uh some sort of of medium to move through. 
Mm-hmm. They require that, even sound, which is why if you were to be in outer space and you were to take off your space helmet and shout to your buddy across the way, uh, your buddy would not hear you because there is no uh, medium there. Space is a vac- vacuum, more or less. There are particles in space, but there's so far – there's there's so little sp- – <laughs> There's no contact, right? The the particles in space are are so far apart from one another that there's no way to to propagate a mechanical wave through space. I think we understand the lack of gravity in this situation. Thank you. So yeah, I, uh, nature abhors a vacuum. So do I. That's why I only sweep vacuum. So anyway, uh, yeah, uh, you need a medium for a mechanical wave to to move through, but. Electromagnetic waves are different. They do not require, uh, they, they can, they can propagate through a vacuum. They can move through a, the vacuum of space. And in fact, they will continue to move once generated forever, really. Yeah. Um, they, so the radio waves that we generated way back when we were first figuring this out, they are now, oh, well, let's see, more than uh, around a hundred light years away because Radio waves travel at the speed of light, and they, you know, the invention of the radio really dates back a century. So, anything around there, uh, anything generated at that time, would be, now be traveling a hundred light years away. It's kind of cool. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, because it travels at the thinking, speed of light. Okay. Yeah. So, and, you know, all those all those broadcasts in the forties and fifties of the radio serials, those are now forty to fifty light years away. Mm, serial. Um, yeah, it's. Chris's weakness with cereal is like my weakness with pie. So uh, don't don't get me wrong. I like the pie. So yeah, I mean, light and and radio waves are both forms of electromagnetic radiation. Yes. Um, and it's uh, I had something I was going to say there, well, but I was I've distracted got, by the cereal. I've got, I've got something here. So when we say electromagnetic, that's really important. Uh, it is. Now, when you're talking about a mechanical wave, you're talking about uh, a wave in a, a particular alignment. Let's let's say vertical. You know, like okay. waves you would see on an ocean. Electromagnetic wa- waves are actually a pair of waves. There's an electric field wave and a magnetic field wave. Now, you've heard us talk a lot about the uh, relationship between electricity and magnetism and how there is this interesting connection between the two. Yes. As it turns out, if you were to generate an electromagnetic wave, uh, you would then have a, uh, a an electric field wave and a magnetic field wave moving at the same time, and each one – uh, replenishes the other. The electric field, because it's changing over time, generates a magnetic field. The magnetic field, as it changes over time, regenerates the electric field, and that's why it can continue ad infinitum out into the farthest reaches of space until it hits the end of the universe, or we start getting reruns of I Love Lucy from, you know, a, a, a billion light years away. Yeah, I remember hearing as a kid that the shows that we watched were going to be available out in space, like people in Mars uh, with the right equipment. Of course, theoretically, there aren't any people on Mars. I don't think there are. Um, I wouldn't call them people. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, if you had a TV and you were, you know, at, at that point, they said, if you're watching from Mars right now, you would be catching reruns of I Love Lucy. This was years ago. But I was going, really? Seriously? That's that's very cool. So, uh, you know, I hadn't realized that they would they would do that. But on the same uh, by the same token, if you think about the the giant radio telescopes that they use yeah. um, to search for extraterrestrial life, some sign that other people are using radio frequencies, basically they're just listening to space to see if there is something 
I mean, there's there's besides lots there's, of noise, right? Besides, there's something that is generated in a uh, in a a meaningful way, as opposed to because um, lots of stuff produces radio waves. I yes, mean, lots and lots of stuff. Oh yeah, uh, and really, like I was saying, so the the I was talking about the electric field and the magnetic fields that that uh, are traveling in this electromagnetic wave. Um, the electric fields, they exert forces on electric charges. Magnetic mm-hmm. fields exert forces on magnetic poles. So these waves can do work because they can exert force upon particular things. Mm-hmm. In the case of the electric field, of course, it's the uh, electrically charged particles. That's the important part for radios. Uh, without that, uh, without the, the ability to do work, radios wouldn't work at all. We, uh-huh. wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to pick these things up. And, uh, uh, so that's really a fundamental element that you have to understand before we can get into the mechanical and technological elements of radio. Uh, and, uh, so let's talk a little bit about how, how we get a radio signal from a transmitter to a receiver. Okay. All right. So you've got a radio station and, uh, the radio station you are uh, recording or you're, you're trying to broadcast some sort of sound signal. You are using a microphone, let's say. So let's say this is a talk radio. Okay. So there's a guy talking into a microphone. Uh, the I, I can't picture that. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's so hard to understand when you're facing someone doing it. Uh, the mechanical waves from the sound of the voice go into the microphone. They hit a, a little diaphragm, which then uh, uh, manipulates an electric charge, uh, creating a, a, a frequency within that electric charge, which then goes to a – I'm simplifying here. Yeah, but it oversimplifying. Goes, but it goes to a transmitter, which then changes the, this electric charge into one of two different um, uh, kinds of radio signals. You've probably heard of AM and FM? Yes, well, it's not just two, but those are the two we use. Those are the two we use for, for broadcast. Yeah. yeah, for for broadcast radio. Someone we're talking will about, write in. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm I'm specifically talking about the kind of radios where you tune in to listen to music or 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 talk or whatever. It's not. I'm not talking Citizens Band. I'm not talking any of the other yeah. other kinds. No Marine Band. Um, yeah. So uh, the way you you transmit information across those radio waves depends on whether you're using AM or FM radio. Right, right. You have to have a carrier wave. Yeah. Which is uh, a frequent, a radio frequency wave that is able to, uh, hold information and take it from the transmitter to the receiver. Right. Um, and basically it, it sort of depends on the frequency and amplitude. Yes. That, that's, that's exactly what AM and FM are. Right. It's amplitude modulation. modulation and frequency modulation. Right. So with amplitude modulation, you remember we were talking about a wave, you know, you have the crests, the trough, and the, from crest to crest is a wavelength. Well, the, the height, I guess you could say, the height of the crests or the depth of the trough, which are equivalent in the, in the case of these waves, um, that is the amplitude, right? The bigger the amplitude, the the taller those those waves are going to look when you look at them as a wavelength. Uh-huh. Um, so with amplitude modulation, it's exactly what it sounds like. You you modify the amplitude to contain the uh, the information that you're transmitting. Uh, when that information is received by a radio, I'm going to skip a little bit here. We're going to go back to the the middle section in a minute. But when your radio receives an AM signal, it's going to detect, uh, it's going to detect the, the height of those waves. And as the height changes over time, that's going to give the speaker in your radio the signal to move in or out. And your speaker cone 
technically your speaker cone in the speaker. Uh, as the speaker cone in your speaker moves in and out, that's what generates the sound you hear. So as those waves go up and uh, uh, down in, in amplitude, uh, and they're going to be doing this uh, thousands and thousands of times per second, uh, because uh, along with the the crest, trough, and wavelength, you have the frequency. The frequency is how many uh, uh, how many cycles, how many wavelengths you go through within a second. Mm-hmm. We call that like if it were to do one cycle a second, it would be one hertz, right? Mm-hmm. So a kilohertz is one thousand cycles in a second. A megahertz would be a million cycles in a second. A gigahertz would be a billion cycles in a second. That's so, a lot. That's a lot. So uh, you're at home. Uh, the uh, the radio has detected the signal, and it's detecting the difference in that amplitude. And as that amplitude changes over time, that's what tells the speaker how to uh, to move in and out and generate the sound that you hear. Frequency modulation is different. The amplitude remains the same. It remains steady. Uh, so you don't change the amplitude. That's not what tells the speaker what the how to interpret that that uh, signal to turn it into sound. Instead, you you change the frequency itself of the uh, the transmission, uh, which is a little tricky because uh, to tune a radio, you have to tune it into a specific frequency to to really pick up a good signal. Uh, so it really generate it, it keeps it within a, a fairly tight set of parameters. It can't go far beyond that or else you would no longer be able to pick up the, the radio station. Mm-hmm. But um, by changing the frequency, that is the the a number of cycles that um, uh, a wavelength goes through uh, in a second, that's what tells the speaker how to move in and out and generate the sound you hear. Now we have to tackle the magical bit in the middle. Okay. You know, so we've got, you know, you've generated the sound and you've heard the sound, but what's happening between those two moments? And there's some fascinating stuff here, and we're going to get into some science. Uh, so uh, some apologies to uh, to Robert and Julie, uh, who would normally tackle this kind of thing, but we're going to do it. Um, so when you generate that signal at the transmitter, you actually create an electric charge that moves up and down your transmitter antenna. Mm-hmm. All right. So antenna are used for two main purposes, to transmit signals and to receive signals. Yep. And it's true, too, that uh, it, the type of frequency you're using requires a different type of antenna. For example, if you're broadcasting AM versus FM, yeah. it, it requires a, a different antenna length. Yes. Because that has a lot to do with it. And and if you've always wondered why, uh, you know, I have a clock radio and it's got, it basically has an internal AM antenna, mm-hmm. but it's got an external FM antenna. And I didn't understand why until I, you know, I just really didn't care to look until we were deciding to do this. And yeah, it has a lot to do with the, uh, exactly what we were just talking about yeah. or what you were just talking about, which is uh, the ways in which the, and the carrier wave is transmitted in these different technologies. Yeah. So, you know, you need a different kind of antenna to transmit and to receive those signals, depending on what you're trying to do. And in general, a general rule of thumb is the best antenna to receive a signal is one quarter of the length of the uh, radio uh, waves wavelength. But here's the thing. AM radio that gets big. Uh-huh. I mean, AM radio uh, can be uh, uh, so big that it's larger than a football field. Mm-hmm. And so having an AM radio antenna, receiver antenna, that's a quarter the size of a football field is not really on most people's uh, list of home improvement um, uh, projects. So there are ways around that, but that's the ideal length for a, a 
reception antenna. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, when you, when you create this electric charge that's going up and down the, uh, the antenna, you're actually, you're using an oscillator to change the, the charge. So you're, you're essentially switching the charge. You're, you're switching voltage on and off, uh, up and down this, this antenna. And that electric charge, as it changes over time up and down the antenna, that's what creates the electromagnetic wave. That propagates out from the the uh, the transmitter antenna. You know, I've watched a lot of movies where, um, uh, you know, you've got your giant radio antenna and these little electrical things come out the top. You mean that's not exactly right? No, you're thinking like, of RKO. You know, yeah, RKO, the old RKO the lightning logo. bolts. Yeah, no, you can't see them. Although, what? Uh, although it, here's here's the interesting thing though is that you can pick up, you can receive electricity this way, although it's a minuscule amount. Yeah. In fact, that's, that's the basis of why this ends up working. So you, you pump lots and lots of electricity into this antenna. We're talking about thousands of watts for, uh, for an AM station. Uh huh. And you are using an oscillator to, uh, to move that, that, uh, electric charge up and down the antenna at a certain rate. And, uh, it, that rate depends upon what the FCC in the United States has designated as your broadcast range. You broadcast your signal that way. Now, let's say you want to pick that signal up. Uh, the electromagnetic waves uh, move out from that antenna. They're directional. They move out in every direction, really, from the antenna. Uh, and then you are a certain distance away. You have your radio. You've got your antenna extended up. As the electromagnetic waves move toward your antenna, your antenna actually can, uh, will pick up a little electrical charge because you've got, you know, the antenna, that's the whole reason why the uh, radio works is that electric field is able to enact the, uh, the work on an electric charge. You've got a little electric charge inside that antenna. It alters, but due to this uh, radio wave and assuming that you have your radio tuned to the right station, uh, what's going to happen is the electric charge in, in your antenna, your receptor antenna, is going to move up and down at a certain frequency. If you have tuned your radio properly, it's going to be at a, the circuit in your radio is going to be at a resonant frequency with that uh, charge that's moving up and down in your antenna. Now, if you've heard about resonant frequencies, uh, that's when you can uh, make something essentially vibrate at a, a, a an ideal frequency for stuff to go crazy. Mm-hmm. Like we we've seen, you know, you might have seen a MythBusters episode where they started talking about resonant frequencies. Yes, the idea being that uh, should wind blow across a bridge at a particular frequency, a, a particular speed, it would create this uh, this sort of uh, uh, vicious cycle that feeds into itself, where the bridge itself starts to shake apart. Mm-hmm. Well, resonant frequencies are a real thing. And if you do generate uh, the right resonant frequency, you can create a larger and larger um, uh, uh, vibrations in a, uh, a medium. So think of it kind of like you've got a kid on a swing right. and you're pushing the kid uh, on the swing. If you push the kid at just the right time, the kid's going to go up higher each on each uh, swing. Right. You're, you're adding more energy into it. And it's and uh, it. You see the output as the kid goes up higher. If you push it the wrong time, the kid just ends up jerking around and falling off the swing set and crying like like I did. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Anyway, uh, so 
the the circuit in your radio when you tune it you actually alter the circuit a little bit so that it'll resonate at a different frequency once it hits the right frequency for the radio wave that's hitting your antenna those little uh the, the electric charge that's going up and down your your antenna will cause a larger uh reaction within the circuit in your radio which is what your is picked up by the amplifier and then converted into um sound through your speaker yeah so, should we get into some of the other cool stuff? Yeah. Like, hit me with stereo. it. Stereo. Oh man, I didn't even go into stereo. I was, I was so concentrated on, I want to make sure I can explain the science of how this radio wave moves across. Um, it's actually really fascinating stuff. And oh, you know what we should do before we talk about stereo? Sure. Crystal radio. Oh, okay, yeah. It's the simplest kind of radio I can think of. Yeah, as a matter of fact, um, when I was a kid, I had, I probably still do in the box somewhere, a crystal radio kit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, when I was, when I was doing a little research, um, one of the things that really led to radio being functional was, um, the ability to, uh, when they discovered the ability to tune a radio. Yeah. It's like, I, I, I don't want to just search for whatever. I want to be able to lock it in to, to detect a specific, uh, signal. And, and when they developed the ability to tune a radio, that basically made um, what is what is now the radio industry possible because you can tune into a specific uh, station and leave it there and it's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you have to be very careful, uh, especially if you're the the licensing group. Um, here in Atlanta, there are tons and tons of radio stations. And I had this problem with uh, um, uh, I had an iPod with a uh, broadcaster that I used to use trying to play through my radio rather than, you know, hooking it up in some way physically with a uh, a tape adapter or a plug or something like that. And, uh, you know, you have to have a certain distance between stations for the signal not to, for the carrier waves not to bleed over and, and basically muddle the information in between. And I had, uh, as I would drive around Atlanta, I would have to change the station that my iPod broadcaster was broadcasting on because, um, you know, I would start to enter another station, more powerful signal would start to interfere with it. And I would yeah. have to, to do that. Um, so yeah, this, you know, the crystal set is really, really basic. Yeah. Um, in fact, the one I got from Radio Shack was basically, uh, it was already hooked up, okay. so to speak. It had, it was one of those that has the, uh, the springs and you, gotcha, uh, you, gotcha. uh, you connect the wires using the springs. And if you haven't seen these kits, um, you know, basic electronics type kits, there's a, uh, the board is wired underneath and there are, uh, very tight, tightly coiled springs installed in the top. And to make a connection from one point to the other to finish your kit, build the radio in this case, um, you have wires that are um, uh, not insulated on the very ends. And you bend the spring, stick the end of the, the metal end of the wire in and let go, and the spring holds it into place. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, you know, I had a long wire that I would use to pick up AM signals. Yeah, that would be your antenna. The antenna. Uh, but, yeah, if, if you're, you know, if you don't know what's going on, it looks sort of a lot like the other wires in the kit, but you know, you'd have to extend it away and a, and a small knob that you would use to tune that. But it also had a coil of metal. It looked like an electromagnet. Yeah. I could actually talk a little bit about that. Uh, there are four basic components of a crystal radio. These okay. are, these are literally the only four things you need to make the most basic AM, uh, radio. You need an antenna. Yes. So some sort of wire to act as an antenna. Had that. You need a tank 
circuit, which is what looked like the electromagnet to you, I'm guessing. Yes. Uh, you need a diode. And, and, those, and then you need an earphone of some sort. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, in this case, it was hardwired in. It was one of those putty color, uh, you know. Yeah. And the, and the, and 70s earphones. The, and you don't need a battery. And the reason nope. you don't need a battery is because, like I said, when you have the antenna, it, uh, the electromagnetic field will cause an electric charge to move up and down that antenna on its own. It do, you don't need a battery to create that electricity from the start. Now the signal you're going to receive will be very weak, even unless, well, the closer you get to the, uh, to the radio station, the more powerful the signal will be, but it'll still be pretty weak. And, but you'll, the human ear is remarkably sensitive. Yeah. So you'll be able to hear the, the transmission even if the signal itself is weak. By the way, uh, this, the fact that you are able to, to collect in a way or that you're able to receive electricity over the air this way, that was one, that was one thing that Tesla was obsessed about. Mm-hmm. The idea of, uh, broadcasting electricity. And two, you're going to find if you do a search online, you'll find some um, – to call them charlatans might be too strong a word. But you'll find some people who claim that they have created a way to generate electricity through, or transmit electricity through <clears throat> through broadcast using this method. Mm-hmm. Well, it's true that you can – get electricity this way, but it's on such a tiny amount that you would need a receptor antenna that would be enormous in order to gener- to receive enough uh, uh, electricity for it to be un- enough to power a light bulb even. Yeah, it'd be basically a trickle. Yeah, so so it's 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 more likely than not if you see someone who says that they have this new free energy type thing where you're just going to be pulling in radio waves and changing that into electricity. And since since so many things out in the universe create radio waves, therefore it's almost free energy, be on alert because that's not exactly true. I mean, you will get electricity that way, but it won't be enough to do any real significant work. Anyway, so you've got those four basic pro- uh, uh, components. So the antenna uh, projects up. It collects the electromagnetic or into the electromagnetic fields that's passing by uh, and then that creates the difference in charge up and down the antenna and then you've got the tank circuit which is a it's a coil of wire and it's connected at each end to the two ends of a capacitor mm-hmm. so you've got a capacitor and uh, and a coil of wire that's what a tank circuit is and generally the way you tune a radio is that you either alter the coil or you alter the capacitor one of the two most mm-hmm. radios, they, they work on, you know, you, you are, are changing one of those two elements in order to tune the radio. Um, the diode is uh, an interesting electrical component. I'm not sure that we may have talked about it in our basics of electronics uh, podcast, but I can't remember exactly. I want to say we did. <clears throat> but a diode, it kind of a... Uh, it's it's something that allows electricity to flow one direction but not the other way. Uh-huh. It's like a it's like a one way street in a way, and using that uh, connected to the tank circuit, and then you have the earphone connected through there. Uh, that's what allows you to have have the right electric signal sent to the uh, earphone that then oscillates at the right frequency to create the sound, and then you can hear it. Although again, it's going to be very very faint. It's not going to be like you know hey. Is that Freedom Rock, man? Well, turn it up, man. Do you remember those commercials? Yes, I do. No, our listeners don't. I'm sure they don't. Anyway. Um, Good for them. Yeah. yeah um, you're better off for it. But uh, so 
Yes. So that, that, I just wanted to talk about that since that's the okay. most basic. And our listeners, yes. if you're interested, you can actually go out and find components and build one of these yourselves. Uh, there are some places that sell the kits. Um, depending upon the electronic stores that may be in your area, you might even be able to buy the, the individual components and, and build your own AM radio from scratch that way. Now keep in mind, again, this is a very, uh, uh primitive and therefore, um, uh, limited uh, piece of technology and your your experience with it will depend heavily on how close you are to the nearest AM transmitters. Right. Because the further away you are, the 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 weaker that signal is going to be, and it may get to the point where you just can't get enough of a signal to be able to hear the transmission. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I had a number of of other related things that I had been curious about. Yep. <clears throat> Um, one of them was stereo, although not as much as the other. And stereo is actually fairly simple. Yeah. Um, because basically you have the two, you have two microphones. You absolutely, uh, well, this will be obvious really when you think about it. A stereo signal has two separate channels. Yeah. You know, one for the left, one for the right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means you would need more than one microphone. Right. And, uh, the trick is that you have to, you know, it, it essentially works the same way that you have two feeds going into the box and, you know, they go from the box to the tower and through the air and back to the thing. The thing is, you have to make sure that the wave is able, the carrier wave is able to handle that. And for a long time, that was only possible through frequency modulation. Hmm. Um, just because it has more capacity, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. than AM. Um, and you know, we really didn't talk about the frequencies used. Um, That's true. We talked about it in our CB radio, I think. I remember we did talk about the electromagnetic yeah. spectrum, and we talked about which parts of the spectrum were allowed for uh, for radio use. Yeah, yeah, and well, that um, was that was years ago. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, you need that. That's one of the reasons why. And I know that uh, they were able. They promoted AM stereo some years ago, mm-hmm. um, but basically the the difference being that the uh, frequency modulation signal is able to carry more information mm-hmm. and therefore you can uh you can do that but you have to uh to make it possible in the carrier wave to uh carry a stereo signal with more than one uh channel of information um you want to talk about the ionosphere any i was going to just mention that the ionosphere uh you might wonder why at night, you can hear radio stations much further away, or yes. at least in the evening, late evening at dusk, you can hear radio stations uh, much further away mm-hmm. than normal. And that, that does have to do with the ionosphere. And uh, the ionosphere has its own sort of, uh, well, it's, it's like an electric mirror in a way. If, uh, if radio waves of a particular uh, frequency and, and wavelength hit the ionosphere, they could be reflected back down toward the Earth, and you can actually bounce a radio signal off the ionosphere and uh, back toward the surface of the, the planet, and therefore uh, it'll travel much further than it would just through line of sight. Yeah, they discovered that in 1902. Um, there were there were a couple people who were involved with that. Arthur Edwin Kennelly, uh, who was an electro- electrical engineer in the United States, and Oliver Heaviside from, uh, from England, was a mathematician, um, again, one of those situations, uh, there seems to be a lot of that in radio where people sort of simultaneously discovered this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got a lot of information from, uh, the article about radio in Britannica. This where I picked pick this particular bit up, but yeah, they were the ones who, uh, in 1902 had figured out that, um, you could basically transmit 
toward the sky and the ionosphere would uh, refract them back toward Earth and that would help you extend the range of your transmitting. Yeah, it's it's interesting because during the daytime, the ionosphere, the, the electrically charged particles in the ionosphere, um, they, they don't act as a very good electrical conductor. Uh, it's only really once you hit uh, in the early evening, that's when the conductivity actually improves. And we don't the ionosphere, the magnetosphere, th- these elements of the the Earth's uh, – I hesitate to use the word ecosystem, but the, the these elements connected to Earth are still things that we are learning about today. Sure. So we don't have all the information on it because scientists are still really building on the knowledge that we already have. You got to keep in mind that until until a little over 100 years ago – we didn't even know these things existed, mm-hmm. at least not in the way we do now. And not in the level of detail. Right. I mean, we knew that compasses worked, but there was, you know, our, our level of knowledge about the magnetosphere was limited. We didn't know anything about geomagnetic storms yeah. and uh, and how the sun can affect our own magnetosphere. So this is information that we're still building on today. But yeah, so in, in the evening, the, the conductivity improves. That's what allows the the... AM waves to uh, to bounce off the ionosphere and back down to Earth. Uh, FM waves, by the way, the uh, the wavelength is too small and the frequency is too high. They actually just pass right through the ionosphere. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't bounce back down. So that's why FM stations you aren't you aren't going to get that same effect. It's not like at night you're going to start picking up the FM station uh, from the city you know 100 miles away when normally you'd have to be right on top of the city to pick it up. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. And, um, I mean, there are, there are a lot of differences too. I mean, you don't notice the, the changes, um, at nighttime with FM so in, in such a pronounced fashion, at least not in my experience, as you do with AM. Right. Um, there are a lot of things that you can detect. AM is a lot more finicky. Actually, but it also has FM a- radio gets dirtier at night. I noticed that. Not the programming. Oh, sorry. I was thinking about all the songs that I hear once, you know, once yeah. prime time. Okay, I'm clearly I'm off by off base here. So, but uh, but yeah, and also the the direction. You know, there were uh, in the United States clear channel stations yeah. that were given more range. You know, to to go ahead and keep broadcasting full strength at, at night. Yeah. Um. Whereas other stations were asked to to back off. Yeah. Uh. At certain times of the day. Um. And something else I wanted to. I know we're getting toward the end of our time. But I, something else I wanted to uh, to point out was if you've ever been in a car, uh, like mine, for example, where you want to tune into an AM station and it's just a pain in the neck because you get a lot of static. Well, mm. with FM stations, you don't have the interference from all kinds of things like, for example, um, power lines. Or you, lightning. Or lightning or uh, in some cases, um, I, I would assume it's the rebar in – overpasses and stuff like that, um, you know, that are interfering with your signal. You'll go under something and you get that, yeah. you know, sort of thing. Maybe there are electrical wires in there uh, that I didn't notice. But also spark plugs. My spark plugs interfere yes, yes. with the AM signal. You know, if you are in an area that has a lot of antenna, you can actually get interference because the antenna, as the electrical charge moves up and down the antenna while you're receiving, it's, it's being it's being created by the electromagnetic field. That means your antenna is also creating an electromagnetic field. It's much mm-hmm. it's a much lower powered electromagnetic field. But if there are enough antenna packed into a, a small enough space that can create interference uh, from, uh, especially for AM transmissions. Yeah, but I but I have a, a station that I try to listen to on AM every once in a while, and um, 
you know, catch the, the game from the local sports team. And, uh, apparently, yeah. Um, apparently the, the spark plug in your car will, when it fires, it creates interference in the very high frequency range, which is the 30 to 300 megahertz range. And that's just at the right frequency to seriously irritate the, the AM signal and cause problems. You know what? It doesn't irritate it. It interferes with it. What's that? (laughs) That one right there. Sorry, everybody. I just blew out our listeners' ears. That and the sixty cycle hum. Hey, hey, Casey, can you lower that a little bit so that they don't they don't all write to me and complain? Yeah, thanks. You can just uh, if if the answer is yes, lower it a little. <laughs> if the answer is no, I'll direct all emails to Casey. <laughs> all right, so uh, there's a lot more to radio. Yeah, there's I mean, you there's could, tons more, and there and it gets into quite a bit of detail. Yeah, and, but and um, like I said, we we kind of gave the the bird's eye view of the science on this. So, but it's really fascinating stuff. We do have an article on the site about how radio works. Um, there are plenty of other uh, sites out there that that discuss radio and the technology behind it, the science behind it. Uh, there's a, a Center for Cosmological Physics has a a uh, a great summary on it. It was it was for a summer program, uh, the Yerkes Summer Institute 2002 ah. program. Uh, but they have a a PDF document that's available online. So if you do a search for uh, uh, cosmological physics radio wave basics, it'll tell you not just the radio wave basics, the the science behind it, but also the actual basics behind radios themselves. So that's a that's a helpful. Guide and it was it was made for science classes who were going out and actually doing, uh, creating their own radios and kind of explaining the science behind it. So I recommend a, a read of that if if you want to get a little more information. And of course, like I said, there's tons of uh, of, of references out there on the web that you can use. So we're going to wrap this discussion up. If you guys have any suggestions for topics that we should tackle, let us know on Twitter and Facebook. Our handle there is Tech Stuff HSW, or you can send us an email. Email. And that address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join HowStuffWorks staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?